Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard It's Eric Roberts is the fucking man Redux, the world's most beloved Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me as usual is the smiling preacher Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? Doug, Doug, yeah. Yeah. Doug. Yeah. You know, you know, Doug, that famously on this podcast, you love to bring up and make fun of me because I am an edgeman, a person of the of the straight edge variety, right? This is a this is something you like to hammer on a lot. Yes, yes, Douglas. It's been it's been known to happen on this podcast and others. Absolutely. Well, I've been watching a little show. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Euphoria. Yes, and I've heard of it. I, it's for children. Here's, I believe. Here's the thing, young, Doug. Uh, yes, here's, <laughs> here's the thing about this show, Doug. Uh-huh. I'm realizing that drugs they're bad news, man. Huh? <laughs> I'm realizing that this whole druggy thing, this whole drugging and and doing the the various drugs and and intoxicants, this is a bad thing. This is poor Rue played. Uh, uh, I already forgot her name. I'm the worst person ever. Uh, she's going through it, man. Because is of Zendaya? Shows. Is that you're talking? Zendaya. Zendaya is Michi, I believe. No, no, no. She's Rue. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and the thing about Zendaya as Rue is, like, I feel really bad about her and her addictions. And now, Doug, I know, I know that you also like like the drugs. And now I'm worried about you, Doug. Are you going well, to run I mean, around news, in your neighborhood? Liam, I know you're having a little naked? fun right now. But the great news is I can no longer take drugs. My wife won't let me because, <laughs> because I almost became the world's first weed-related fatality when I had an edible and almost vomited and choked on it. So that was probably bad. That was several years ago at this point, and I have not had um, any marijuana since then. And that was really to, as hard as I ever got. You need Liam. to stay off the weeds, Doug, because mm-hmm. that's – Is that I'm what told, euphoria is about, the euphoria I'm you told, feel? When... I'm told that it's a gateway. Gateway drug. That's true. Yes. Yes. Yeah, to bad stuff. You know, it's no, funny. I, I, what's, I'm kind of making fun of it a little bit, but honestly, Doug, I fucking love that show. And I finished season two today, so it's like just on my brain, and it's fucking with me. Like, I'll be thinking about it for a while. I, I like that show a lot. Liam. Yeah. You're correct. Usually on this uh, show, Eric Roberts is the fucking man, Redux, we uh, we have a little fun. You, I have a little fun with your straight edge nature. But on this episode, things are going to be switched around a little. I'm oh. going to make fun of your religious nature instead. Oh, sure, because sure. We're going to be oh, talking you about you never the, do that. Well, I mean, I do do that as well, but I feel like I lean a little heavier generally on the straight edge thing, just because I don't have an entryway into uh, your religious feelings. But I have to say, there were many, many times as I was watching The Righteous Gemstones, both season one and two with my wife, that afterwards she'd be like, this is the stuff that Liam was into, right? And I'm like, I don't know enough about it to know. No, stop. You don't think that. (laughs) In fact, this is what's what I think is funny about the show was uh, a friend of mine who's like a you know, a uh, former church person. He yes, was like, okay. he, he was like, I don't understand the show because like 
no one is actually like this. He's like, so I, I he's like, it, it's not meant as an actual criticism, right? Because it's not criticizing anyone. Like no one, like all the people who are as bad as these people don't walk around talking about their balls and fucking, you know what I mean? <laughs> like they would be like the way that the dude, what, what is his name? Jesse talks. They would be horrified. They would like crawl into their skin. If anyone said stuff like that around them, you know? So it's kind of funny how they've, they've taken the general idea, which is the hypocrisy, which is great. Yeah, that part's pretty accurate, but then they've injected all this stuff that they want to do which is just talk about fucking and dicks and shit and yeah. it's just like really funny because it's like well come on this isn't what it's not like the cameras turn off and everyone's like i gotta empty my nuts like that's not really how it works but but it is but it how is do you amusing. know how do you know that's not how it works well and to be fair i was never in anything as crazy as as this world is is kind of reflecting but you ever i been did... to a mega church liam well yeah uh, as part of uh <laughs> As part of an educational experience, yeah. we visited a bunch of churches in an area just to see their differences. And mm-hmm. one of the churches we went to was a mega church. It was the first time I've ever been in one. And it was crazy, Doug. It's it, The hallways were bigger than a hospital. It's very strange to me. I don't understand. Like, the, I, I've... Just the money they spent on the parking lot was more than I had imagined spending on a on a whole building. It's, it's crazy. It's a crazy thing. Hmm. Liam... I have an important question to ask you. Sure. How's your family doing? <laughs> uh, they're eating dinner right now, I, I believe. Okay. You're about to go on a trip to Philadelphia, which is very exciting. Yeah. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that. You're just trying to get me to talk so you can tell me to shut the fuck up. Absolutely not. Please. I mean, it's exciting. I mean, honestly, I know I that how much you wait. miss. I you consider yourself a go. Philly guy. You're really yes. excited about going back. I'm going to go and get some pork roll. And pork I'm roll, go whatever that to... is. Federal donuts and get some donuts. And right. I'll uh, I'll do other things. Shut, that are, yeah, shut yeah, up. Yeah, 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 shut yeah, up. Yeah. Okay. Our guest today is a writer and retired mascot. You can find his work on the beloved Shock Cinema magazine as well as the equally beloved Cinema Sewer. It's Michael Sullivan. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Hey, uh, I just got to say, my uh, my mother, and this is true, my mother was a Sunday school teacher uh, mm. when I was a kid. And um, I, you know, I got a... You know, I'm sorry, I got a contradictory here, Liam. Uh, every time you know she ended, uh, you know, class, she'd yeah. say, "I got to empty my balls." So, <laughs> uh, I think you don't know what you're talking about when you talk about church people, Liam. I'm sorry. That's fair. That well, yeah, I am Presbyterian, so what would I know? I don't even know what that means, Michael. <laughs> thank you for joining us today to talk about the righteous gemstones. We're going to get to that in just a little while. Uh, but you're also someone, I mean, I'm actually, I want to get your take on this whole religious situation. I don't know your religious background, Michael. Obviously, now I know that your mother was a Sunday school teacher. Uh, do you have any particularly strong feelings about religion? Well, it's when I was a kid, uh, you know, like, I, and that's true. My mother was a, a Sunday school teacher, but it like, she wasn't like strictly like religious outside of that. And honestly, I think like her view of religion didn't extend behind angels, you know, and like believing angels were real. Hmm. Um, But I was brought up Protestant, like very loosely. And then we kind of like left the church at one point because my mother disagreed with some people. And then she kind of just turned her back on religion. Um, So I, and then like, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm an, I'm an atheist. I, you know, it's like so loaded to say that, you know, it's, <laughs> it's all right. This is a spot where it's okay to be an atheist without thinking that it's going to come along with a bunch of snooty 
garbage bullshit thoughts on top of yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you know where I'm coming from. But I, you know, I, when I, I became one when I was a teenager, and but yeah, I, I'm not. I mean, I have an interest in like. I mean, I've always been fascinated by the rapture and things like that, and I especially always was fascinated by evangelists, you know, which is what attracted me to this show. Um, but you know, I, I I guess that's that's my deal with that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think I feel very similarly. I certainly have always had a fascination with the kind of, of glitzier, bigger scale religious fervor and things like that. And Liam, when I when I mock you lightly, it's also with a certain kind of curiosity about this world that I really don't know a lot about. And I, honestly, you've already touched on it a little bit, this idea that the hypocrisy that we see on display here is something I think we're all pretty much aware of. I mean, you, you kind of would have to be blind to not know that these mega preachers are just trying to build people out of their money. Maybe that's a controversial thing to say, but that's absolutely the case. But just the idea that behind the scenes, what are these people like? Now, at the beginning sure. of the show, Liam, I called you the smiling preacher. And that's a reference to a gentleman. Do you know what that guy's name is? No idea. What's his name? The smiling preacher? Let me look it up on the internet. The smiling preacher. I think that, the I think the thing is for me, Doug, is that um, these particular caricatures are very helpful for like like humor, but like there's a part of me that's like, uh, the real dangerous people are not this crazy. Like it's easy to make fun of people this crazy, but the people who are like actually like, I wish there was a show making fun of them, much to their rage and frustration, are far more like reasonable than the than these guys. It's just we see these mostly guys uh making millions of dollars ripping people off and it's like that's the easiest target and they seem to affect the lives of a lot of people but uh i just think there's some more insidious types that are a little more rational and seem a little bit more normal that i'm much more like whereas for this i I, I can see what what you're saying in regards to that i don't think that that's what this show wants to be you're right i mean the fact that they're so transparently gross people where they're having all these public incidents that of course you know that that you would you don't see a peter pop off well maybe generally you don't see like someone like that uh having these sort of like public breakdowns that people can point to to say look they're they don't mean anything they say the smiling preacher by the way joel Osteen, the smiling oh, preacher that guy gross. he is a american pastor televangelist and author he wrote a book called Salvation with a Smile. That's pretty interesting. And he has a mega church. And I remember correctly, there was some sort of, uh, and you can fill in the blanks on, on this one for me, Liam. There was some sort of like horrible thing where people uh, didn't have any place to go. There was a horrible kind of incident, uh, maybe a flood, and people didn't have a place to go. And he had this big empty church, and people were like, hey, can we stay in your church? And he was like, no. That's what he said, no, to those people. That's pretty interesting, Liam. Sure. <laughs> Michael, when was the last time you went to church? Oh God, I uh, mm-hmm. um, I think uh, it was uh, 2013, and it was because I was on a, a tour of a tour of Ireland, and they kept oh. stopping in churches, and uh, it got. I mean, it was a it was a great trip, but man, it got it got exotic because I think I went to like six or seven churches in the span of four days, so it, it got to be a bit much at times, you know. Was Ireland cool though? Was it was it a good place to visit? It was. I'll tell you. I loved Ireland. They had fantastic candy. Uh, oh, there was mm. like sheep just roam freely across the country. <laughs> it, I, I it it was it was it was honestly a beautiful country. Well, I I it's one of my 
great ambitions to visit what I call Liam the homeland of Ireland. Uh, I've been I've been there. I've been there. I know you have, Mr. O'Donnell, but uh, I mean, you know, the people from Newfoundland, which is where I'm from, we feel a very kind of a closeness with the Irish people, even though they don't know we exist <laughs> and have no affinity for us whatsoever. I recently, um, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. One thing I do want to talk about before we get into the Eric Roberts news, and there's lots of it, and it's very exciting, and people should be really interested in it. I want to talk about these collaborations that led to the Righteous Gemstones, these Danny McBride, Jody Hill collaborations, starting with the film The Foot Fist Way. Uh, before we started recording, Michael and I were talking about them briefly, but I just want to start with you, Liam. Have you seen any of these other collaborations outside of the Righteous Gemstones? I think so. I mean, I definitely oh, seen. Boy. I've seen the Foot Fist Way. I think I only saw some of the the baseball show, which I already forgot the name of. It's right there on your screen on the outline that I've provided for you. It's called Eastbound and Down. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry, I wasn't looking at the outline. It's okay. Eastbound and Down. I saw like the first season, and then I just. The thing about that show is it kept ramping up the ridiculousness, which I think was part <laughs> yeah. of the appeal. But yeah. at the time, I just wasn't that stoked on it. Uh, Vice Principals, I really liked, though I do admit it was hard because the goal of that show was very much like there's no redeemable character like on the show. Like everyone sure. is terrible. Yeah. And so after a while, that did start to like grade on me a teeny bit. But I don't know. I still mostly loved it. Is that something you feel about the Righteous Gemstones, that there are no redeemable characters here as well? I think they're making a real effort on the Righteous Gemstones, you know, rightly or wrongly, to to make these characters uh, still kind of bad, but, like, just things about them <laughs> that, like, maybe they're worth... Whereas Vice... I didn't feel like there was any part of Vice Principles where you would be like, oh, I kind of empathize with this guy. It's like, no, these people are monsters. And this one, it's like, they're monsters, but maybe they could become more human. Like, that sure. seems to be a possibility. Uh, and, and I also... I, I almost kind of wonder if that's, like, they're worried about the backlash to the show or or not. I don't know. They go pretty crazy with it. I mean, there's definitely a, a baby in a in a in a porta potty. So I don't know that they're worried about offending people per se, but uh but I do wonder if like it just feels like they're a little softer on these characters. And I wonder if maybe that's a a stylistic change that's like like a like an evolution in their writing or if they just don't feel like it's worth like hammering these characters too hard I, I, it also might be because there's so many more characters and True. just to have yeah. everyone being equally <laughs> awful might have been a little difficult to uh, to to contain michael i know that you're also a fan of these collaborations do you have a favorite of the uh, the the mcbride jody hill pairings at this point yeah i i i'm going to agree with liam on this i think vice principals like I think was the best out of all of them. I mean, I, and honestly, I, I like all of them in one way or another, like even um, your highness has its moments and that's, Agreed. Bad, you know, <laughs> there are um, parts that are really funny in that movie, but it's a terrible movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think vice principles is the, because I, I mean, I don't think Walton Goggins did comedy. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't think he did comedy prior to vice principles and he's, really really funny in vice principles um he, he has something very unique to him where he is such a strong actor and has such a strong personality but he can also like he there's somehow he can maintain a certain level of reality even when he's doing the most unbelievably rid ridiculous things and yeah I, the, the vice principles was the first time i saw him do comedy at the very least and i was like oh all right this guy can do pretty much anything and um 
he, I, I think like that's retained a bit, like in a, a um, righteous gemstones, especially last season with Baby Billy, because they he was like he had he had a line last season where it was just like show. Yeah, that's right. Show us your balls, which I still think and it's like a nothing line, but it's still it just still kills me, you know. <laughs> um, but they, you know, they're all they're all really good shows. They're all um, they're all classics in their own right. So you know, I, you know, I d- I've mentioned Danny McBride and Jody Hill. Of course, David Gordon Green is sort of the third person in that triumvirate of creative forces. And those uh, in in terms of Danny McBride. And David Gordon Green, they also collaborated on the Halloween reboot uh, sequel films recently. Have any thoughts on that, Michael? You're a big fan of this, uh, these recent Halloween movies. Um, well, I, I, the Halloween one, uh, I, I can't remember if like there was uh, there was a, a um, I can't remember if people d- dislike that. I, I I think there was some backlash with it, you know. And I, I think I minor backlash, seen... but overall, I mean, it's a series that. A, because of the big gap, and also because, you know, it's a pretty wonky series in terms of continuity and quality. I think people generally were like, hey, you know what? Pretty good. Yeah, that that was that was fine. I remember watching, and I, was, I liked the little twist with like, the Donald Pleasance sort of stand-in with that. I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of interesting. Um, Halloween Kills. Oy, I, uh, <laughs> if there was a way to make a more obvious, dumber Oxbow incident, you know, congratulations, you did it. You know, it, it, it was, man, alive. They just, the, I, the one scene in that when he was, like, fighting the firefighters, that was a really good scene. But then mm. there was that other scene where they're just, like, introducing, like, char- minor characters from, the like, the franchise. And it, it just felt like I was at a, like, fucking chiller theater or something, you know? It's, <laughs> it, it, but I, I, I hated Halloween Kills. I hated it. I, Halloween... I, I, I didn't I, I I liked it I liked it enough but Halloween Kills oh I I did not like it yeah it's real strange that the the two people responsible for the first one were also like not only were they responsible for the second one but also like basically had probably more creative freedom because of the success of the first one financially and that's what they ended up doing hey Liam are you excited for the third in the Halloween uh, trilogy I think it's uh, Halloween Ends something like that I can't really quite remember no no. No, are you just done, Liam? <laughs> With life? No, not yet. But I'm getting close. No, I mean that that first one. Uh, I agree. It's there were parts of it that I thought were pretty cool. I think the the my frustration was that all of the teen characters felt superfluous in that first one. Like they just existed to die, and they weren't that interesting. And I really just wanted them to spend more time with Jamie Lee Curtis. And then in the second film, they were like, you know what, we need more superfluous characters. In fact, <laughs> let's just populate the whole town and insist that you just see them all the time and, and pretend that they're interesting. And it was it was terrible. And then the whole, like, everything going on in the hospital and the, the like, you know, like, the way the film was like, hey, guys, you know what this mob is like? It's like people who like Donald Trump, huh? Huh? Are you picking that up, that that's what we mean? Are you, are you picking it up? And I'm like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> it just was all so cheesy and dumb. I don't know. It just was I, – I think you're right, Doug, that it's weird to go from one to the other. But honestly, it feels like a transition film. Like it feels like they just were like, all right, we just got to get to the end. So how do we get to the end? <laughs> We got to do three movies. Come on. This might surprise you listeners, but this is an Eric Roberts related podcast. And we need to talk about all of the Eric Roberts news in the Roberts Report. 
It's the Roberts Report. For this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man Redux, we continue with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word, and I think you should. This weekend, as of the time that we're recording this, which is probably going to be a couple of weeks before it comes out, this Sunday night, Liam, Michael, the Oscars are happening, the Academy Awards, the glitz and glamour, very exciting, uh, the night the stars come out to shine, I hear. Uh, and Eric Roberts has some thoughts about it. I think he's a little upset about the fact that they are not going to be airing on television uh, certain categories, I think including editing, uh, sound editing, a few of the technical categories not going to be shown on TV. Instead, they're going to have a song performance, and I think Tony Hawk's going to be there. Liam, did you hear about this? Tony Hawk on the Academy Awards? Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's you, exciting, you, though. You think they're going to bring out a, a pipe for him to, to shred? Shred a pipe while he's out there? He's not a fan of Tony Hawk. You know what? It's fine. Like it's it's a person, a human being. It, he seems cool or whatever, but like I don't know what that has to do with the Oscars per se. Uh and I don't know why he would be I I I've never understood why people treat him like a personality. He he goes high in the air on a board. Like that's his skill. Like I don't need him to be like an interviewee or like a commentator. Like I just don't think he's a very interesting. Sounds dude. like you got you actually got a beef with uh, Tony Hawk. Michael, do you have any thoughts on extreme sports? <laughs> um, well, I you ever you ever use a skateboard, Michael? I re- well, Tony Hawk was a stuntman in Police Academy Four. That's that right. Oh, okay, okay, and and he did a very good Larry David impression. I think around Halloween. I remember this. And uh, the X Games existed 20 years ago, and Mm -hmm. that's about it for me. That's that's about what I know. (laughs) Uh, I also, of course, grew up playing the Tony Hawk video games uh, until I no longer uh, was playing them. And then recently I played one of them again. So um, uh, good on young Mr. Tony Hawk. Um, Made it all the way to the Academy Awards from Police Academy 4. But Eric Roberts has this to say. I'm going to watch hashtag the Oscars because of at Amy Schumer, at I am Wanda Sykes, and at more Regina Hall. Sorry, not for the movies this time, but who could resist those perfect hosts? And then uh, just yesterday he tweeted, my vote is to stop the star fucking, but he put a star so you didn't say fucking, and give the gigs to great actors from obscurity to hashtag Oscar, obscurity. <laughs> Uh, Michael, will you be tuning in to the Oscars hosted, I guess, by Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall this Sunday? No, no. no. If I can, I'll probably tune into that on cinema at the cinema yes, special. Absolutely. They're running that for free this year, you know. But I, I otherwise, no, I'm not really invested in any of that. No. Yo, so you do not have the Oscar fever. That's what I'm taking away from what you're saying, right? No, now. it's Christmas Baby in Tinseltown, but not here. You know. Do you agree, Michael, that they should stop the star fucking and bring some obscurity to the table? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> sure. I mean, I mean, you know, John. When John Polito died, they didn't even have him in the in memoriam. That's, that's so, true. You know, I mean, there's a lot of great character actors that don't even get that far. So, you know, I, I agree with Eric on this. Eric Roberts. Yeah. Eric Roberts. Yes, the guy yeah. who this very podcast is named exactly, after. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Liam. <laughs> Uh, I know you have some strong feelings about the Academy Awards. I have to say, usually I enjoy watching them, not because I take it very seriously, maybe because I don't take it very seriously. I just have a lot of fun with like the presentation and the musical numbers and just the kind of pomp and circumstance about the whole thing. But I have to say, 
this year I don't have much interest. And not because of what's nominated. There's some very fine films nominated. It's just that I just don't feel very passionate about it because of uh, it feels kind of watered down from from what it normally would be. How do you feel about the Oscars this year? I I can't get emotional one way or the other. It's it's I enjoy an Oscar party because I enjoy a gathering of people with snacks. The the Oscars itself is not that interesting to me. I have in the past won money on an Oscars sort of uh, hey. thing. So that you know that seems cool. I like gambling. That seems all right. But otherwise, I'm just I just don't care that much. And particularly because outside the anomaly of Moonlight, right? I don't find the Oscars very satisfying. Like having a whole bunch of people tell me that some movie I thought was just okay is like the best movie. It's like year after year that doesn't sound like fun to me. Um, and and I don't really like all the like. There's no, there's nothing about the show part of it that I enjoy that much. And if there is something that's cool, I'm sure I'll see a clip of it later. Like I'll watch clips on Twitter if someone's like, "Oh, this part was so funny." Okay, I'll click on that. <laughs> But like investing in a whole thing, I I don't know, and I, I and I kind of feel like look by focusing on what you know what they're doing is focusing on the things that they think people care about, which is you know maybe true, but uh, but I I think sometimes it's more interesting to me some of these categories that are being left off because uh, it feels like the people who are voting for those car- categories maybe are a little bit more. Informed. interested in them yeah and informed yeah, I hear you. whereas well, best picture like any asshole thinks like i know what the best movie was you know it just well you know. actually speaking to that liam here's an article from 2020 uh donald trump has taken a jab at the oscars for awarding this year's best picture honor to parasite because the film is south korean how bad were the academy awards this year trump asked at a rally the winner is a movie from south korea what the hell was that all about we got enough problems with south korea with trade and on top of it they give them the best movie of the movie of the year and then he says, was it good? I don't know. I'm looking for, like, can we get, like, Gone with the Wind back, please? What do you think about that, Liam? <laughs> he would. He fucking would pick Gone with the Wind. First of all, a movie I don't believe he's ever watched. That's the first thing. Second thing, racist. So that's, like, yeah. right up his alley, right? So Something that he knows is racist, but he doesn't have the patience to actually endure. Michael, what should win Best Picture this year? Very exciting question. Uh, is, is Licorice Pizza nominated? I don't. Is it nominated for best picture, Liam? I don't. I don't think so. Let's look at the best picture nominees. Oh God, uh. nominees. Because we want to know uh, what the be- oh it is. Uh, it's nominated oh. alongside Coda, which is uh, getting a lot of uh, uh, talk about it right now. King Richard, West Side Story, The Power of the Dog, Belfast, Drive My Car, Nightmare Alley, Don't Look Up, and Dune. Oh, I didn't know Nightmare Alley. I I, I want to see Nightmare Alley. I didn't see it. Um... I'll go with Licorice Pizza. That's the one I saw. So right. it's I, I've really fallen out of touch with movies lately. It's it's embarrassing. I, I'm about seven years behind at this point, and I don't yeah, feel like yeah. I'm ever going to catch up. If the pandemic didn't allow me to catch up, it's just not going to happen at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> back on back on March eighth, Eric Roberts tweeted, "Auditional sides." He tweeted that out, and at least one person retweeted it. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure what the context of it was necessarily. I imagine these are sides, like your uh, pages that you audition with. Maybe he was referring to how he got the the job, as he's noted many times for Righteous Gemstones Season 2, that he auditioned for that role. But uh, on March 8th, all he tweeted out was auditional sides, which is enough that if you're Eric Roberts, they get five likes on Twitter. Pretty good stuff. I mean, I would have liked Henry tweeted if I saw that. 
Yeah, well, it's not too late, Liam. Back on February 22nd, Michael Bolton, the famous singer, he tweeted, just a guy in his guitar singing his heart out. What more can I ask for? And this was uh, quote tweeted by Eric Roberts, who said, we read your book at Mom Eliza Roberts and I. She knew you when she was casting at WB Lorimar, and we've shared a table at a charity event. Point is, we loved the book. Eric Roberts and Michael Bolton, that's a pretty exciting collaboration, don't you think, Michael? I think so. I'd see like a buddy comedy with those guys. What do you think about the fact that Michael Bolton has embraced kind of the uh, um, ironic side of his fandom over the past decade or so? Uh, you know, I think that's a good sign. I, you know, I just have a sense of humor about yourself and, you know, he, he seems to have it, you know, and I got to give him credit for that. You know, he could easily just sort of like turn against them, but he didn't. So good for good for Michael Bolton. Good for Michael Bolton. That's what we hear from Michael Sullivan on this show. Liam, do you say good for Michael Bolton? Yeah, I mean, I kind of like that his vibe is, uh, hey, the people who think what I'm doing is ridiculous also enjoy it in their own way so why not you know i'm sure maybe i'm wrong but i assume that for a lot of people you get to a certain age and maybe something about what you were doing is also ridiculous to you yeah you know what i mean like i wonder to what extent maybe if if you have fans that they still put you on a pedestal maybe that's more alienating than someone who's like i think what you do is awesome because i think it's ridiculous that might be a fan you can actually relate to (laughs) Liam, I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you very upset. Oh, here we go. Okay. My father passed away several years ago, actually oh, over I, a decade yeah. uh, at this point. And not, that's not the upsetting part, though. Oh, that's okay. upsetting to me. Yeah. Uh, my father believed that Michael Bolton's version of Sitting on the Dock of the Bay was superior to Otis Redding's. What do you think about that? <laughs> I don't think it's appropriate to say what I think on the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, please. Please, I want to hear it. <laughs> that is That is upsetting. I would not... I don't know how I would handle that in real life. Uh, Michael, your, any thoughts on your end? Uh, my father thinking that the Michael Bolton version of Dock of the Bay was superior. I mean, that sounds like uh, something a father would say. Yeah, <laughs> def- definitely sounds like something my father would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it. Yeah. Speaking of fathers and children, Liam, you have a young child. Uh, I imagine you're working on child number two. You don't need to tell me about that. Um, but back on February 19th, A gentleman named Tony Alexander tweeted, leave the past behind you and walk boldly into the amazing future that awaits you. And this was added on to by Eric Roberts, who said, as we exit childhood, I hope we forget how to take no for an answer and remember to be nice. Kindness is more than it's cracked up to be. Some pretty good advice here from Eric Roberts, Liam. Your thoughts? Is this something that you would maybe pass on to your own children? Uh, Forget to take no for an answer. Kindness is more than it's cracked up to be. Sure, that sounds good. Maybe that forgetting to take no for an answer could be, I mean, we're not trying to interpret that in any sort of negative way. We know what Eric yeah. Roberts is trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, well, and it's, uh, uh, another version of that might be to say that as a parent, you're slowly working to make yourself irrelevant, right? Yes. Like that you want, you want an adult child who loves you still, but doesn't need you anymore. That's that you become irrelevant in their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's really. You should the point find a partner life. in life who replaces that parent, right? And like, so your wife could be your mom. Stop. <laughs> that you don't need that elevate your life anymore, Doug. I mean, I know how your relationship is, but the rest of us. 
my mom treated me like my wife. I don't know. I'd probably have to. <laughs> I'd probably be taken away by social services. <laughs> oh, God. I hope she didn't hear me say that. Michael, um, kindness is more than it's cracked up to be. True or false? Oh, wait. Was that, is that for me? It was for you, and I'm afraid you've lost your opportunity to answer. <laughs> yeah, kindness, kindness is more than it's cracked up to be. Michael, your thoughts on that? I, I think so. I, I think I've spent too much of my life being needlessly cruel. Um, hmm. I know, like, uh, very early in my writing career, I uh, wrote a very nasty piece in CinemaSewer about uh, Corey Feldman and Corey Haim that I, I, hmm. I regret. Uh, I've in reviews I've called I've said people look like uh, a tote bag filled with oatmeal. Yes. Um, I've said some bad things. Uh, I you know every day I you know I I try to change a little bit, you know. Uh, but I think you know, I, and I'm not doing a bit right now. I, I no, I understand. Uh, I I appreciate yeah. it. I mean, look, this is it's a process, and I know that's kind of a cliche, but it is where. The idea is that we're we're always trying to be a little better today than we were the day before, and it's it's a struggle sometimes, especially because, you know, the world is bad and garbage, and it's a lot of negative forces kind of pushing against you, trying to keep you where you are or in a worse place. Exactly, you know, and I, uh, you know, I, I look, I have my lapses, you know, I, I I'm not always the kindest person, but I I, I try to be as kind as I can. Um, and, uh, most of the time I fail, you know, but I, I try, I try and try again on that. Believe me. Liam, do you ever think about the day that your daughter will be grown and move out on her own and won't need her dad anymore? Yeah, I'll probably be dead at that point, but sure. You think so? Because of your various medical issues? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. That's very dark and not not funny at all. It's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> Liam, this will excite. Sorry. <laughs> Liam, you'll find this exciting. The, the the French Riviera Film Festival has created a PSA campaign in so, in support of Ukraine, featuring Eric Roberts. This is the French Riviera Film Festival. Uh, it's funny. You know what? I was just going to read this. This piece of text, which is just reiterating what the uh, the title said, uh, this is a a PSA um, featuring Eric Roberts in support of Ukraine. I I did have uh, the both of you potentially watch it. Michael, did you end up watching this PSA? I I did, yeah. And uh, Eric seemed like he was violently roused from a nap before he started <laughs> saying it. Uh, speaking uh, as someone who's seen a number of Eric Roberts cameos, that seems to be his usual state. Um, that's, but well, uh, that's true. <laughs> but sp- he speaks some very passionate words and let us make something very clear we're having a lot of fun here on Eric Roberts is the fucking man but we obviously take this uh conflict very very seriously we support Ukraine I don't want to speak for both of you because you might feel differently uh but I support Ukraine Liam I've heard you say some pretty controversial things about uh Putin in the past I imagine you feel the same and Eric Roberts has some pretty strong words Liam what did you think of what he had to say it's because of his affect that Mike already has pointed to. It's a little hard to take seriously the the sort of uh, uh, I I don't want to repeat myself and say seriousness, but like like the the stark nature of what he's saying. Like he's saying some very strong things, 
but in a way where you feel like he would rather be asleep right now. So it was a weird contrast of, of style to content. He did. I mean, he's obviously he makes his point very clear. I always find it very strange because one of the things that I've heard most from people over the past couple of weeks is about a campaign we're going to talk about in just a moment where Eric Roberts may be in a film starring Kevin Sorbo. But when he speaks about his own politics, he's obviously, you know, we know what Eric Roberts believes for the most part. And hearing him talk about, you know, his thoughts on the Iraq war, George W. Bush, and how much he hates bullies. And he actually reiterates basically what that tweet was just a moment ago about how important it is to be kind. I mean, I know he has that kind of laconic... I mean, that really kind of defines a lot of who he is right now. But I did think his words were very sincere in this particular PSA. I appreciate what he had to say, but it was it, it is a strange and this is also just part of the world that we're in, right? He's clearly shooting this under like his home computer. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Like it's we're in a, a Zoom world where people are sort of preparing themselves for whatever it is they're gonna do. Michael, what can we do to end this goddamn war? We just we just gotta take that you know, the kindness we have and like, you know, when that person is a bully and a dictator, you stop them for their own good. Yes. That's what, that's what, that's what Eric Roberts says to do. Stop them. You yeah. Know, Cause uh, I couldn't, I couldn't think of something on my own. So I just took what he said earlier, you know, I mean, this is what we do. We, we speak to and about Eric Roberts, the actor. In fact, Liam and I made a blood oath to cover the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. Did you uh, remember that Liam? No, I try to forget it. There's actually a really terrific Eric Roberts interview recently posted on uprocks.com. Uh, it's called Ju- It's Just the Best Job There Is, Eric Roberts on the Righteous Gemstones and His Fascinating Career Portraying Unsavory Characters. Actually, um, I'll link it in the show notes. It's a very good kind of career-spanning um, interview, though it doesn't mention any of the roles that we mentioned him when we interviewed him live, mostly because we only asked him about roles that no one could possibly care about, Liam. In retrospect, maybe a mistake. What do you think? No way. We were definitely right. I agree. Uh, I'm not going to quote uh, too much of it here, but there is a really great part talking about um, his his kind of transition from doing serious uh, dramatic roles like Star 80 and The Pope of Greenwich Village and then moving into action films like Best of the Best and The Expendables. Um, and, and I do feel like we get lost in the weeds sometimes on this show, Liam, where we forget that this guy, you know, has has done some incredible performances. It's one of the reasons that when a lot of attention was being paid to him in The Righteous Gemstones that I really wanted to cover it because I feel like we've been on a bit of a run of maybe not great performances, not including Rock Story, of course, that we featured on our most recent episode. And I wanted to I wanted to see Eric Roberts in the year 2022 giving his all. And we're going to talk about his performance in just a little bit. Uh, speaking of which, Eric Roberts pick a debut trailer. Uh, this is a, a trailer for a film called Broadcast featuring Eric Roberts uh, coming out soon. Uh, I guess it will be releasing. Actually, it's available right now on VOD platforms as of February 22nd. Uh, broadcast stars Oscar nominee Eric Roberts uh, of Runaway Train, Anastalia Duvali, Ashley Nicole Blake, Jeff Mark, and Leah Jeanvier or Jeanvier. Uh, I watched the trailer, Liam. Did you check out the trailer for Broadcast? I did. You know what this... I watch a lot of these kind of... Actually, these days I don't watch so many of them, but I used to watch a lot of movies like this, which are movies that actually look fairly slick because they have a lot... You know, you can get production value on a fairly low budget at this point, but there are things that give away the budget a bit, like the acting. <laughs> like This is one of those movies where you can just tell that the acting is going to be very inconsistent. But what do you think? I Maybe I'm, I'm spoiling the... Uh, the, your thoughts on it a little bit. What do you think of broadcast, Liam? 
it's the sort of movie I only see regularly because of doing this podcast. Like <laughs> this this level of like we made a movie look relatively professional, but we didn't invest in like a script that works or people who were like compelling actors. That that's just something that Eric ends up in a lot. Um, and that doesn't mean he's going to be not good in it, but it's just sort of become a template for a certain kind of movie he does, especially if we end up, I, I couldn't tell from the trailer, but if it ends up being shot in and starring a lot of people from central Europe, then right. I, then it's very much a vibe, you know, that, that we, we, we get, uh, with him. The plot is an eccentric billionaire develops a drug that stops the aging process, eliminating death. Uh, through a t- children's toy, the story of mankind's fate is told while revealing a mysterious truth to an observer. The second part of that plot summary sounded much different than, than the first part. Filming and production says here, shot in Rhode Island, USA, Liam. So oh, okay. your, your fears cool. are, uh, are are unnecessary. Uh, Michael, any thoughts on the trailer for broadcast? Well, I'm excited because between this and Rachel's Gemstones, it seems like uh, you know Eric is using like a pork pie hat as his yes, acting tool. Absolutely, and I'm I'm loving this new phase in like his <laughs> career. Just pork pie hats, you know, just like very exciting, very exciting. You'll notice that I have put some of the YouTube comments in our uh, document here. Uh, this comment from Ramon Jose Emilio Daniel says, "I clean the toilets on this set." Can't wait to see my name on the cast at the end. Hope I can make it. And And this is a comment from Alec Baker. I had a small role in this movie, sweeping the floors. Can't wait to see it. Uh, let me tell you, I if you go through the comments on the trailer for this, almost every one of them is from someone involved in the movie in a supporting <laughs> capacity, and I don't mean supporting acting, who are very excited to see their name in the credits. Uh, any thoughts on that, uh, Michael? Uh, uh, excited. This guy cleaned, cleaned the toilets on the set. He wants to see his name in lights. Yeah, that's usually my favorite sort of review on IMDb. It's like someone who was just like an extra or some sort of, or they usually when I see that IMDb, it's like a very bitchy sort of like Kelsey Grammer was mean. Yeah, you know. Um, but I do, I do love those sort of. Uh, you know, I was on the set and blah blah blah. I, I do love those kind of comments. Yeah. Liam, you may remember that we uh, talked about fairly recently a trailer for a movie called Mister Birthday, starring Jason London. Do you remember this? No, actually. No, you did watch a trailer for it. Uh, your memory yes, is yes. getting concerning for me, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> well, but... there's so many movies we cover on this podcast that I don't remember <laughs> them all. Well, we talked about Mr. Birthday, and uh, Mr. Birthday was edited by the director of broadcast. Any thoughts on that? Eric Roberts involved in both projects. Wow. Maybe Pretty that's good, the, huh? Maybe that's the connection, is this guy. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's how it worked out. I don't know. I guess we'll. Uh, I guess we'll find out when we check out both of those movies, Liam, which we will watch because why? Blood oath. We made a blood oath to cover the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. Devil's Night, medieval fantasy film, shooting June. Liam, that is almost a description of an Indiegogo campaign <laughs> about a film called Devil's Night. Uh, it is a medieval fantasy film, as you may have already interpreted from what I just said. This is the synopsis, or I should say sypopsis, on their Indiegogo page because they have misspelled the word synopsis. In the medieval world of Varroka, monsters and demons alike roam and terrorize humankind. The bone devil has plagued the kingdom of Ramini for years. After a group of trackers fails to kill the creatures, King Samuel decides to bring in an elite group of monster hunters. These hunters must use every skill they have obtained from around the globe 
to destroy the ancient evil? Will they be enough, or will the Bone Devil continue its reign of terror? Devil's Night, Liam, very exciting. And this Indiegogo campaign raised over $200,000, and it's going to uh, be shooting in June, uh, a film starring Kevin Sorbo, the... um, Trying to think of a word that isn't negative about Kevin Sorbo. Kevin Sorbo and Angie Everhart and Eric Roberts to appear in Devil's Night. I did check out this Indiegogo campaign. It's very interesting. A lot of perks involved. Uh, And the director and the creator of this made a lot of movies that star people like Michael Madsen and Eric Roberts. You can imagine the kind of movies that we're talking about. Uh, Liam, excited for Devil's Night. No, that sounds terrible, Doug. Really? Pretty exciting. The Bone Devil, Liam. What are your thoughts on that? Bone Devil? <laughs> no, no. I mean, even when they said Devil's Night, I... I Is it because I, you're a religious a man of faith, Liam, and you no, hear Devil when I and hear, you're like, I'm no, scared. Ooh. No. When I hear Devil's Night, I think of Mischief Night. So yes. I was like, oh, Mischief Night. Wait, Medieval? What? And then it's like they're monster hunters. I mean, I know it's kind of hip right now to turn your D&D campaign into some sort of fictional uh, uh, piece of art, but this sure. doesn't sound very good this sounds i should mention bad. by the way devil's knight in this case knight is spelled k-n-i-g-h-t uh, right still, I, I, still I grew up not with very d- good still not very that that's even cornier than the other thing michael when you hear that kevin sorbo is going to appear yeah. in a film called devil's knight what does that make you think that i will never be seeing it <laughs> <laughs> just a just a just a film that screams don't see me yeah. why why would somebody want to be, see a Kevin Sorbo movie? Well, I mean, I'm actually that is kind of what I'm getting at. Why would anybody cast Kevin Sorbo in a movie in 2022 knowing that whatever benefit you would get from his name would almost certainly be outweighed by the fact that people who dislike him hate him, like hate him so much that they would never watch something with him in it. What do you think about that, Liam? I don't know that everyone is as media savvy as yeah, you are. Yeah, you're probably right. He's a real piece of shit, you know? And I mean, like... Oh, he's I, terrible. He's really not a cool guy. And and Hercules was a ro- long time ago, right? Like, a really long time ago. And no one likes him. And, hmm... Well, I guess the people who do <laughs> like him do like him quite a bit. Michael, your thoughts on Kevin Sorbo. Am I missing out? Maybe he's great. Is he terrific? Well, was he... In, was there, like, an adaptation of Cole that he was in? Yes, he was. Cole the Conqueror, I believe. Yeah, I remember that I remember that came and went. Like, that was, like, right on the heels of, like, Hercules. And he was like, I'm going to turn Hercules. I'm going to turn this into a feature film career. So he made that film, and people said no. They did not want <laughs> Kevin Sorbo <laughs> to be a, a major actor. And then I think he came out of the closet as, like, born again. You know? Yeah. It, and then that, then everything changed, you know. I, but um, not a fan, not a fan of Kevin Sorbo. He was in Meet the Spartans, I believe. What do you think about that? Oh, I forgot he was in Meet the Spartans. Yeah, it's a it's a parody movie I own, Doug. Hmm. It's a parody movie I own. I Michael, believe I, have a I believe he's in one of the Gods Not Deads as well. Yes, well, no. I mean, we yeah. could, we could go on. I'm sure in that particular path. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2022's Gateway to the West, described as when Genghis Khan's army invades Europe in 1242, it doesn't expect that a Hungarian castle and a cannon will stop it. Now, cannon in this case is spelled C-A-N-O-N, so I guess it means some sort of convoluted history as opposed to a (laughs) physical cannon. Uh, Directed by Peter Seuss. 
a Hungarian director who's worked almost exclusively in Hungarian television up to this point, narrated by the great Terence Stamp and featuring Eric Roberts as Captain Akos. Gateway to the West seems like some sort of pro-Hungarian propaganda. Michael, are you excited about this movie? Uh, I am, because I think Terrence Stamp retired, right? And he came out of retirement to uh, narrate this. That's exciting. I mean, good on him, right? I mean, they maybe they maybe they did what I have so often thought about and just, like, ordered a cameo from him or five or six and just got used that as narration for a movie. Why not? Michael, if you wanted to book a cameo from Eric Roberts right now, what would you estimate you would have to pay? Um... Uh, $750? $750. Now, Michael, have you ever purchased a cameo before? My fiancé nearly got Gilbert Godfrey's, and I think his was $500? I'm not sure. Well, I can say that that Eric Roberts is a comparative steal, though I have to tell you, only in Canadian money, his uh, cameos are $133. You can get a cameo right now from Eric Roberts. Uh, though, if you wanted to meet him live, which is booking a personal live video call for you or a group, a mere $318 Canadian. Liam, maybe we should get him back on the podcast sooner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like these numbers may have increased somewhat since his appearance on The Righteous Gemstones, as well it should. But uh, yes, listeners, right now you can get yourself a cameo from Eric Roberts for a mere $133. Michael, you said that, that your girlfriend was um, was trying to get you the Gilbert Gottfried cameo. What happened? Why did that not come through? She it, she didn't want to pay five hundred dollars. Well, I mean that's I really reasonable. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Because you didn't get to experience that, Liam does a great Gilbert Gottfried impression. <laughs> Liam, why don't you wish Michael a happy birthday in your Gilbert Gottfried impression? <laughs> I hate you so just, much. Look, you don't have to do a lot. Just say happy birthday. You know, just do it like you would. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> ah, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, Liam, that exceeded all of my expectations of what that might sound like. That's very good. You're going to clip that and put it on Twitter, and I'm going to be really mad. Why? <laughs> Multi-talented. Remember when we were doing uh, our Muppet impressions, Liam, and how good that was? No, I don't remember that. You don't remember that? It was only a few episodes. I am worried, Liam, actually. It, uh, this is something we should talk about. Actually, you know what? Maybe it's just because we're having too much fun. So let, let us stop that. No one wants to hear that. Let's take a break. When we return, finally, we are going to talk about season two and season one of The Righteous Gemstones. The rest of us, we're going to sing and we're going to dance.
The Righteous Gemstones follows a world-famous televangelist family with a long tradition of deviance, greed, and charitable work. It's The Righteous Gemstones starting in the year 2019. This is a television series created by the great Danny McBride, who we've already talked about. Very well-known actor at this point in various comedic roles. Uh, we talked about more of his his television roles, things in Vice Principals and Eastbound and Down. Probably he has the the... Probably those are the roles that he's most connected with, but he basically plays a variation on those characters in most of the film and TV work in which he appears, and I'm sure we'll be talking about him in just a little bit, featuring Danny McBride as Jesse Gemstone, John Goodman as Dr. Eli Gemstone, Adam Devine as Kelvin Gemstone, and Edie Patterson as Judy Gemstone. Uh, we also have a lot of other uh, well-known actors making small and large appearances in it, including Walton Goggins as Baby Billy Freeman, probably one of the highlights of the entire series. I think we've already gotten a sense, really... Uh, that both of you have a little bit of experience both with Danny McBride's TV work and this series as a whole. We know how, how you kind of rank the series, but let's get some general thoughts both on season one and season two, starting with our guest, Michael Sullivan. Michael, your thoughts on The Righteous Gemstones? Well, I, I think this season was like a bigger improvement on, on season one. I would uh, agree with that. Because I think there was a lot, it seemed like there was more forward momentum with this season. Um I, last season had a lot of great moments, though. I, I particularly liked um, uh, Judy's uh, <laughs> sort of uh, uh, the revelation about her affair with like her, her professor. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> oh my god! My wife and I were quoting the fact that she covered his mouth and started jerking. Anyway, I'm not going to reveal too much about it, but that is an amazing yeah. moment. <laughs> it's and she has a similar moment in this season where she's like talking about. Her relationship with her brothers, uh, to her, uh, yeah, you know the scene where to her like I guess, I guess her his sister in law, uh, yeah. but I I think there was a I mean especially with like the through line with you know uh, with Eric Andre's character, Eric Andre and like uh, I think like uh, McBride was talking about how he wanted to uh, do like a Dixie Mafia thing, and sure. I think that really shined through with this season where it's. Almost the whole idea that they're uh, evangelists is, is, you know, pushing the background. It's more like, you know, the, it's just these like a, a suburban mafia type situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think season two was a lot better than season one. Uh, I, I mean, I agree with you 100 percent. I think the this, this season two was kind of a significant step up. I enjoyed season one quite a bit, but it felt a lot more focused. It felt like they really had a handle on the characters a little bit more. And it felt like a lot of the plots were were balanced. And I have to say, in particular, the Adam Devine plot with the muscle men for Jesus thing, yeah. like it got so out there and ridiculous. It was both, I mean, I could see people maybe not enjoying that part quite as much, but it just was so ridiculous. I have to say, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I also want to say, how good is it to see M. Emmett Walsh still around, still kicking oh, it, yeah. still acting? I every time I see him, I don't. I mean, I see him in a project maybe once every three years now, and I'm like, he's still here. He's in Knives Out. He was in that movie Calvary from a few years back. He's still around. I love M. Emmett Walsh. May he live forever, Michael. I don't know if you've ever heard this. I heard once that when M. Emmett Walsh shows up on a set, and this he's been doing this for decades, he passes out a sheet of paper with his resume on it of all the performances that like his notable performances. And then he gives people like a dollar or $2 and says that you'll never go broke. You got $2. That's the kind of person M. Emmett Walsh is. What do you think when I say that to you? Well, uh, Adam Resnick told me uh, when I interviewed him a few years ago that he wanted him to be in cabin boy. And, uh, (laughs) 
Emmett, I guess he was going to play the uh, Brian Doyle Murray part. That's oh, my right? theory. Mm-hmm. And uh, M.M. Walsh was on board, but then he found out it was a Disney movie. So then he started trying to like hike the hike the rate up he, and he hiked it up to, to such a point that they're like look we can't we can't have you in this um but i i i, I fucking love him emmett walsh i love and it's it's you're right it's always a treat to see any you see him you used to see him so much especially in the 90s but now it's it's like so rare to see him in a, in a movie or anything and man when you saw him with that shotgun oh my god it's just a delight. And, I, and honestly, I forgot he was even the dad. He was, you know, the uh, the granddad on the series. And that was that was just a nice surprise when I saw him. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry that we got off that M.M. Wallace tangent, but I have to say that I was so – I'm just like you. I forgot that he was even in this, and I was yeah. so pleased when he showed up. Liam, your thoughts. Uh, do you agree that Righteous Gemstone Season 2 was an improvement on the first? And what are your thoughts on the show overall? I think overall it was an improvement. I think there are – are a few moments in season one that I thought were funnier than anything on season two. There were just a few just uh, things that just kind of broke me a little bit. I thought they were Nothing's so... going to beat that misbehaving performance in the first yeah, season. Yeah, right? that's what I'm saying. But on the <laughs> other hand, it felt like season two, they started to take the idea that like these are real characters and they might... Like that first season, they could have just been like, and burn it all down. That was good. We're done here. Yeah, Let's move right. on, you know? And <laughs> and season two felt a little bit more like, we want these characters to have a future. And even if that future goes wrong, they're at least people that like you might, you know, want to see what happens to them. Especially like, I love the, his son character. Like that dude, uh, I mean, it was a little ridiculous when he took down all the bike ninjas, but it's still kind of fun, you know? Um, yeah, so I, I I very much enjoyed season two, but that- You're talking, sorry, to... you're talking about Danny McBride, Jesse Gemstone's son in this. Yeah, what Skyler is his son? Skylar, uh, just Gassando, who Gassando, might be best yes. known for being in- uh, the Santa Clarita Clarita diet, uh, which he was very good on, by the way. Oh, I never, I never watched that. I do know that he was in um, Licorice Pizza, which we were talking about earlier. Oh, I, I have not seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's funny that he might be the one of the few characters on the show who is clearly has uh, a morality and a sense of kindness about him, and the whole first season is about how he's working to you know steal all this money from right. people. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I lo- I kind of love that decision. Like I don't know, I really love season 1. It it really worked for me, but I do think like there's just I think the writing got better on season 2, which is crazy to say when I feel like season 1 is funnier, but a lot of season 1 feels a little bit more wild and this felt a little bit more. Though there are definitely some wild ass moments and the twist which I I don't want to ruin in case there's someone who hasn't finished it. Yeah, but the, it's the, fairly recent. Yeah, the twist of how season 2 ends, I did I kind of saw it coming in the sense of like that the one the one clear answer was clearly not the answer. But yes, the way 100%. it resolved still was funny for me. Like, oh, okay, all right, that's crazy. I kind of love that. We actually talked about on this podcast that um, when they announced that Eric Roberts was going to be on the show, they announced it along with that Jason Schwartzman, Eric Andre, and Eric Roberts was going to be on this season. And I have to say, one of the most shocking things about season two is that Eric Roberts appears a lot more than those other actors and has kind of more of an impact on the plot for the most part than those actors as well. It's a, it, it's, we'll talk about his performance in just a little bit, but I, I think I was kind of shocked, even after hearing people respond to this season, to see how much of it he was in and how, particularly how many scenes he has opposite 
a heavy hitter like John Goodman in this. And that's what I want to talk about next. John Goodman is the patriarch of the Gemstone family and the on the television series, uh, one of the lead characters, and has a very kind of he has a difficult role because his character is not as overtly ridiculous and hilarious as the other characters, though in season two, he does get the opportunity to break a lot of thumbs, which is fun. Uh, I just want to get everyone's thoughts on kind of John Goodman in this show, but also John Goodman as an actor generally. How about yourself, Michael? Are you a John Goodman fan? I, I am a big John Goodman fan. I, I, um, I, you know, I loved him since like Barton Fink. Uh, I Absolutely. loved him in like the Coen, uh, the Coen brothers movies. And I, Really love what he's doing here because uh, I think any other any other actor maybe would have made him like a bit more vile. Uh, yeah. But I think he adds like a lot of nuance. There's a lot of gray areas in the character where, and and, and what this is what I like about the show is that you really shouldn't like any of these people. And, <laughs> right. And like these are just like rich fucks that keep getting richer. And, you know, in through, like, really illicit means. But somehow they're all likable. Like, John Goodman should not be likable. His character's somehow likable in spite of everything. And I also, I mean, part of it, he looks just like my father in this, oh, right. you know, this. And, you know, maybe that is part of it. But I really like his character and I like him in it. Yeah, I think he's, I, I mean, I, I think he's always good. And I really do think he brings a level of gravitas to this role. And honestly, that, that seriousness as, as well, that's kind of important. The idea that somehow this man could have three children like those children are on this show is kind of unbelievable. It feels almost like a, it, 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 I don't know if, if either of you watched Succession. I was just talking about Brian Cox before the, the break. But like, there's an element of what Succession is on that show. And Succession is a very funny show. But this is like a lot of those elements, like the rich family and the children who are stuck in this kind of arrest development and, and have these horrible habits, but like turned up to 11 where they're just the worst people in the world, but they're funny and they're amusing and you just can't outright hate them. And one of the keys to that on this show is that in both seasons, they come up with even worse people to pit against them. So at least <laughs> you, it's like, oh, they're awful, but there's just someone just a little bit worse. That, so you can't just hate them entirely. It's, uh, it, it is one of those things. And I think this is consistent across a lot of Danny McBride's work where it leaves you rooting for, I mean, even anti-hero feels like the wrong word because they're just such vile characters. <laughs> Liam, Liam, you have any uh, a love for John Goodman? I, you know what? It's almost a, kind of a loaded question. I don't think there's anyone who doesn't like John Goodman. Right. Well, what you know, I recently watched uh, a video of him sort of talking about his career where he was going right. through and, and mm -hmm. highlighting stuff. And I love him so much. I was surprised there weren't more movies he highlight. Like he he doesn't talk about every movie he's been in, but he 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 ha picks out specific movies that he wants to talk about. Sure. And when the video was over, I'm like, well, that felt a little light. It felt like there should be more things that he – like, the video yeah, yeah. should be, like, a half hour long, you know, not 10 minutes, you know, uh, because in my mind, he's one of the greats. Uh, I think sometimes because he is so impressive, we forget some of the things he did that were part of being famous but weren't very good. So, like, I don't know, like the Flintstones. Maybe someone out there loves the Flintstones, but for me – You're not a big King Ralph head? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but because I love him so much – I really only, when I think of him, think of my favorite things. And right. some of the things I think of, he wasn't even in that much. 
you know, that he has smaller roles in. Like, uh, like one of the things that came to mind that wasn't in the video was, uh, was Treme. And I forgot, like, he doesn't even really make it through the first season, I think, of that show. Mm. Uh, but to me, he just, I see him. And I focus on how great he is. Now, that doesn't mean I was on board for like the Roseanne reboot or whatever, but <laughs> still but, on, I think. I think it's still it's I think ongoing. It is. I think it is. But but I still love him. And you know, when we when this show first started, it was one of the reasons I was excited to watch it was his, you know, participation. And honestly, that was part of my excitement as well. To see John Goodman bounce off Danny McBride and bounce off some of these other actors as well. Sticking with you, Liam. We've talked about, I mean, I don't want to just go through the actors one by one. I just want to see if there's anyone that stands out for you. Who are some of your favorite characters and favorite performances on The Righteous Gemstones? I mean, I think the the some of them are kind of obvious because they're people that uh, already have a lot of shine, whether that's Danny McBride or, or Walton Goggins or, um, as we were talking about, John Goodman. But I want to talk about, and I, I don't remember her name, but the woman who plays uh, the sister on the show. Oh, Edie Patterson. Yeah, Edie Patterson. Yeah, who was also on Vice Principals, right? She, yeah, it was yeah. also in Knives Out now that I, <laughs> this is, I already brought oh, it up. Oh, that's yeah. true, that's true, that's true. Um, I think she is magical. And I liked her in Vice Principals, but it was a smaller, I mean, it was important, but it wasn't as pivotal a role. And so getting a lot more of her on the show, she just makes me so happy. Her brand of awkward frustration that she has in so many of the scenes it just i uh she kills me i just think i feel like her character could be a little divisive because it's so coarse right it's so sure rough. Sure. like she's she's even pitched higher than all the other characters on the show and i have to say i'm like you i think she's hilarious and i think that most of her scenes are the highlights of both seasons but i mean it just feels like she's like the the idea that she could be anywhere and people don't recognize that she's insane basically like that part where she goes to tim baltz's optometrist office and she causes that big scene and knocks over all this stuff and then she goes outside starts smashing the the car (laughs) i mean like it's just she's such a wild character that even in a show like this she sort of stands out but i'm right there with you how about you michael any favorite characters or performances on this uh show i'm with you guys uh edie patterson um i i think I don't. I well, personally, for me, I don't see it as divisive. Uh, I, I probably wrong about this, but be, I, I, the thing is, with she's so like the character is so surrealistic. Yeah, you know, like it's so heightened, like it can't. You know, I, I, I can't be. I, it, to me, it just seems it's too ridiculous. You know, like it, it doesn't. It, it wouldn't really register as being like you know annoying or I don't know. Maybe because I find it funny. Um, but I mean, when she's just like in the room telling her, she thinks John Goodman's character is gay and having an affair with Eric Roberts's character. And she just, (laughs) she's like, I don't want any like hip old hepatitis man loads in the, you know, the the living room. (laughs) Like that is just, that's insane. I mean, I can't, if you don't laugh at that, I mean, come on, you know, like there's, there's something not right about you. I mean, that's just so perfect. You know, I mean, (laughs) And and I'll say this, Adam Devine, I never really cared for workaholics. And I know Absolutely. it has its fan base. Mm-hmm. And he's a for a while he was like turning into like Jack Black Jr. You would see sure. him in movies and he would just do like a very light version of Jack Black shtick. I I think he's really good on the show. He's it's it's I think they I guess they reined him into a degree, or he just maybe understands the character really well, where he's you know, he's not just funny but likable. You know, and that's something I could, I really couldn't say about Adam Devine prior to this. So, um, you know, I, I, I think 
you know, that's another that's another person I think that's good on there. I think the cast is just just fantastic on the show. It's it's real true. I, I mean, I know you already brought it up, but that that scene where Judy talks about her sexual encounter with her college professor is that is such <laughs> a wild thing to think about. And I mean, look, we understand what it's going on in that scene and that it's if you thought about it in a wider context, that it's very fucked up. But it, that is what makes it so ridiculously hilarious and i'm with you as well adam divine not an actor i had a lot of time for uh and also i i think in the first few episodes of righteous gemstones i was like eh, i guess this guy's gonna be the weak link but i like the i like that kind of youth pastor type uh vibe that he has and it feels like that that might be the more directly satirical part of the show um out, because of so much of it is so outrageous liam i did want to talk talk to you about this because i know that we've had a little bit of fun and I'm not, I don't mean to be this mocking, uh, guffawing donkey jackass when it comes to your experience with religion, but but you have had some sort of like youth pastor ish experiences, right? I mean, I sure, think that's sure, sure, right? sure, sure, sure. So, a- am I wrong on that? Is there anything that you recognize in the Adam Divine character? Uh, not the muscle man thing necessarily, but like the the scene where he has the uh, the group at the uh, gymnastics. Uh, um, trampoline place i mean anything like that does that any of that feel like it rings true to you um i guess so it, it not in my personal experience but um i probably went to school with people who could fill that role who could be that that dude but, right but um you know it, he, he seems very particular to a certain kind of church experience and the only person I know who, well, no, I just, I've never met that kind, even though that's the joke is like, he's very much the stereotype of what a youth pastor is. I just never met those kind of folks. You know, a lot of the people I met were, this is going to sound crazy because the point of his character is how weird and awkward he is. Sure. But I, the youth pastors I met were more weird and awkward than he is. <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh, or they were like just normal people who like this was their sort of way into doing something else. You know, they sort of stepped into a role that nobody else is willing to fill. Uh, and and a lot of other folks who maybe um, they were fully aware of that stereotype. So they were trying to like push against it a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, but as far as people, the, the closest I got is I, I, I did know a, a dude who – he would spend summers working for like a camp experience or it's not really a camp, more like a, like a retreat experience. And he had a little bit of that vibe of like youth guy, but he was a dude who went to like hardcore shows and had a ton of tattoos. And like, I know that some of his friends are like gang members. So it's not like, I think on the surface, if you went to that camp, you'd be like, you know, Steve is kind of like, what, like a stereotypical youth ta- pastor type dude. He just has more tattoos than those guys would normally have. But if you knew him outside of that context, right. you wouldn't really get that vibe at all. It's just, I think he learned to be that guy for his job and then right. like just didn't bring that energy into the rest of his life too much. But then again, he is also the kind of guy who gets his hair cut once a week. So there's a little bit of like a thought about his image is definitely part of who he is, you know? I do want to give a bit of a shout out also to Tony Cavallero, who plays Keith Chambers yes. on The Righteous Gemstones. Yes, yes. Uh, so good. Satanist. I just, the, the idea of what this show's vision of what a Satanist is and, you know, <laughs> and his friends. And it's, it's almost like, um, 
it, it whenever they show the scene that he came from, it's like a uh, like a cat, like a Christian movie talking about it, where it's just it's so wrong. <laughs> like they go to that bar and people are just fucking and doing drugs everywhere, and they have him as the baby. I mean, just some unbelievable stuff. And he's so great. I mean, such a low key. I had never seen him in anything before, and then you were you know you were talking. Uh, I think um, Michael about um, how Adam Devine had kind of taken like a Jack Black type um, yeah persona that. This actor, Tony Cavallero, played the Jack Black role in the School of Rock TV series. So the idea oh, of that wow. performance compared wow. to this performance, I know, right? It just blew me away that he that, that that someone could see this guy and do both kind of things. But, I mean, he's such a – it's a very unique kind of performance. And I think he'd really – considering the sort of energy that other actors bring to this particular show, his is a very unique uh, kind of, of energy. I want to talk just before we get into Eric Roberts about the the fact that this show is not as comedy center as even something like Vice Principles is. I mean, this is a show that has a lot of drama in it. There's a lot of danger. Both uh, seasons are about uh, attempts on the life of various characters on this. The first one has blackmail, but there's also a lot of, of threat of violence. And there's some, you know, outright very explicit violence on this show. Um, when you were starting it, I'm going to start with you, Liam. Is, is this something that you think sits well with the series? Is that what you, you like? Did you feel like they had a better balance in the second season? Or did, did you uh, come into this kind of with the expectation that it was going to uh, kind of mix comedy with some of these kind of darker uh, themes? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess, you know, I don't – thinking about it, I don't know how much violence is on – their other projects so i guess i should have been more surprised but for some reason it just felt natural to the show Mm -hmm. uh i I guess maybe the extremity of it on this season when there's so many dead bodies was a little (laughs) bit surprising but i just kind of went with it because i expect them to be doing whatever they can to surprise me as an audience member like their vibe seems to be how do we turn this thing up a little bit you know Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The extremity of the language, the extremity of the humor, it just makes sense that that extremity would extend to the levels of violence and really anything else that they could show. Uh, How about you, Michael? Any thoughts on kind of how the show is structured and whether that's satisfying for you as a viewer? I think it helps that it's only nine episode seasons, so it doesn't feel like it kind of wears out its welcome. Well, I mean, you, you were saying earlier about like there was more drama and there was, you know, more, you know, like it was more action oriented. I didn't. I didn't really notice that until you said something, because I think everything's structured where, you know, there is dramatic moments, but there's there's also like, you know, there's a button on top of it that's like a bit of a punchline. Yeah. And I think, you know, in that scene where like uh, Uncle Baby Billy, they're trying to convince him to uh, I think I can't remember if it was talk to Harmon or somebody and he's in that trailer type thing. And there's like (laughs) it's kind of a there's a moment going there. And then when he's driving off, he just tips the trailer over, you know, I mean, so I, I, you know, I think everything like they don't let things get out of like, you know, go one way for too long, you know? Um, So I, 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 if, if it, if there is more action, there's more drama, it's, it's sort of uh, better proportioned, you know, with, with the comedy. So I, I, I didn't really notice until you said something. Yeah. I, I just, I guess it's because some of the action scenes are quite, elaborate particularly in the second season i mean liam mentioned the that kind of bike uh i mean the the biker gang all throughout but certainly the the biker sequence where they're they're kind of taken down one by one we haven't mentioned 
uh, Walton Goggins, really, in, in any uh, specific terms at this point. But he is definitely a highlight of this show. And really, one of those actors that, that when I first saw him on, probably it was, I actually never watched The Shield. So for me, it was Justified where I first saw him. Another Eric Roberts connection, by the way. Um, and he's just been a delight in so much of the material since. I was watching recently some behind-the-scenes videos and interviews with Walton Goggins, and I forgot that a lot of his accent is is an affectation, that he doesn't have as strong of an accent in real life as he brings to much of his projects. But man, the fact that he can perform as a character so much older than himself, and then with all this makeup and, and, and a wig on, and then perform against John Goodman and have just as much of gravitas and impact to that performance, really quite a performer, a real highlight on the show. And then he can turn around and he can sing misbehavingly. It must be pretty exciting for you to see that. I mean, he's just great. I, whatever I've seen him in, he's always amazing. He's just an amazing performer. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I don't really have much else to say about him. Just that, just that, that character of Baby Billy Freeman. When I remember hearing about the show because I not, I actually did not watch it until I watched it for this episode. So I watched season one and season two, and I knew Walton Goggins was on it, and I had an idea of what the show was about. But very much, I was waiting the first couple of episodes, thinking. When is Walton Goggins showing up? I'm very excited about that, and he did. Uh, he lived up to those expectations. Any any uh, general thoughts on Walton Goggins before we talk about Eric Roberts, Michael? Uh, I I would uh, to me he's kind of like John C. Riley uh, mm. in the sense that you just would never expect this guy to be that funny. You know this this you would never expect this sort of talented actor to have this you know strongest sense of comedy, and I think that's why I like Walton Goggins. He's a funny guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 you're right. And you never would have expected it, 100%. Um, I didn't recognize, by the way, I'm only seeing, I'm looking at the cast list right now. Now, Toby Huss, the great actor, shows up in this briefly. Um, I mean, maybe people know him from Pete and Pete or from King of the Hill. But he shows up as Dale Nancy, um, the the owner of the restaurant that the Gemstones go to. Um, and But his wife in this was played by Marla Maples. Uh, Yeah, I was surprised by that too. Yeah, yeah, I don't think she has really anything to do. I didn't even recognize it was her. For those who aren't as old as myself, um, she used to be married to Donald Trump. (laughs) Marla Maples shows up in this season. A few uh, surprise uh, appearances that we're not going to spoil here outside of Marla Maples on this episode. Let us talk about, finally, let's talk about Eric Roberts as Junior Marsh. As I mentioned already, has a much larger part in the season than I would have expected. Sometimes I think about the TV roles of Eric Roberts and how they vary. I'm thinking specifically, Liam, when he showed up on Glee. Do you remember that episode of Glee that we watched? I do, yeah. And it's like, with Eric Roberts, and he literally has a background part that an extra could have played, and how kind of, that was a very depressing and low point uh, for for our, our kind of television experience with Eric Roberts. This might be one of the high points. Uh, he plays a wrestling promoter from memphis um uh, does independent wrestling and uh he has a connection with john goodman because john goodman used to be a wrestler when he was younger and also used to work for the wrestling promoter uh basically shaking down people and and he would go on these these um these criminal trips with a young version of eric roberts and now eric roberts appears in his life once again and they have kind of a tender moment at first, though there's also kind of a combative thing. Uh, and then they kind of turn against one another, and there is a expectation, and I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that maybe it's not necessarily all that it seems, that uh, that the Gemstones are, and specifically John Goodman's character, is being targeted by Eric Roberts Jr. Marsh throughout this season. Let's get both of your thoughts, starting with you, Liam. Let's scrape away all the bullshit. 
there's a lot of great actors. We've already talked about some of these wonderful performances on this uh, season. How do you think Eric Roberts stands up on the Righteous Gemstones? I think he's good. I think he's um, uh, granted he doesn't have as much opportunity to be as bombastic and over the top as some of his co-stars on this sh- particular show. Sure, but I think his role of um, being this shady character from uh, uh, John Goodman's past, he's uh, I think a perfect choice. It was a perfect casting. I think he does it well. I mean, he's older, so. Um, you know, maybe a younger Eric Roberts would have added something else. But um, to me, this is one of the better performances we've seen in a long time. And I love how much time he gets to be this character, to uh, work the, the weird hat, uh, to be <laughs> fucking... He, he he really has this, this like, he's kind of slimy, but he's kind of, at times, endearing, but you don't trust him. Like, there's just so much to what's going on. And I don't know. I just thought it was really good. And, and it, was a, it was a joy to see him in something new that other people are going to get a chance to actually watch, you know? I'm glad. You know, I was... We joked many months ago when he was announced for this that this was going to be, like, the year of Eric Roberts because he also is appearing in that upcoming uh, Damien Chazelle movie as well. And it's just, like... Knowing that he can still hold up in the, the this a show like this with so many heavy hitters, and and his character isn't as bombastic. You're absolutely right, and he isn't as funny either. He's a little bit more grounded, but he has some really amazing, terrific scenes, particularly that one in the restaurant with John Goodman yeah, when yeah. he first appears. I just think that he's really legitimately strong in this, and it's a reminder that though we have kind of a comical podcast devoted to the life and work of actor Eric Roberts, that he's a great actor when he gets the opportunity to be. And it's nice that he got a little shine this year and that that he got uh, a recognition of that. I mean, I saw more articles about Eric Roberts and this performance, you know, it, it, positive articles than I've seen outside of, you know, hey, Eric Roberts appears in a new trailer than I'd seen probably the entirety of the last couple of years. So so good on him. I think he's terrific in it. Michael, do you agree? Any thoughts on Eric Roberts as Junior Marsh? Well, let me I, I wrote this down earlier. I hope Please. hopefully this makes this makes some sense. Um but like whenever he, for me, like, you know, seeing Eric Roberts in a low budget movie is like when you join MySpace and you, you'd automatically get that friend Tom. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like it's 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 you know, it's like something that's expected. It's not a surprise. You know, you're in, you're just annoyed. You're just annoyed by it. And, you know, it's seeing him in this. It was because I, I I just knew that there was like a, a Righteous Gemstone series, too. I didn't know he was going to be on it. Right. But seeing him on this was like such a such an enormous, pleasant surprise. It's like, oh, my. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's doing something where it's not like, you know, he's the voice of a cat or like he's in some David. It was David Dakota. Did he do that? You know, the werewolf of Wall Street. Did the he werewolves do that? Like, of Wall Street. Yeah. I've been hearing a lot about that lately. <laughs> and. You know, like you, this was something. There's like you know, it, something that people would see willingly, not like you know, as like ironically, you know. And not only are they seeing it, they're seeing, wow, this guy is good. This guy is really good, you know. And there is something very, very um, cathartic about that. Maybe that's not the word, but I think you I know think what for I mean. us it's the word. Like for Liam and myself, there is something cathartic because, frankly, we're bombarded with. These, these roles, not only that he's not 
treated with a level of respect, well, with it, which is whatever. But just the idea that oh, he's obviously was on set for two days, maybe didn't even have his lines memorized. Right? I mean, it's it's it that was just a job to him. He obviously cared here and was given the opportunity and the time to develop a character that felt like a real performance. And that's it. You you sometimes lo- we get lost in the weeds a little bit on this show that you don't recognize. I mean, you yeah. forget a little. We're a long way from talking about the Pope of Greenwich Village at this point. It's been a long time since we talked about Runaway Train. So it's nice to have something contemporary to point to to be like, oh, Eric Roberts, he's the guy from Righteous Gemstone season two. Remember, he was great in it. And I mean, he's he's actually acting in this. He's not sleepwalking. You know, yeah. he's there's like that's like you're talking about that scene in the restaurant where there's like this weird amb- ambiguity. You're like, was that was that huge Tyler Maine looking guy? Was he connected to Eric Roberts? Was this part of a bigger <laughs> plan? You know, it's you know, it, it, it just was a pleasure. It was a pleasure seeing him, and it was a pleasure just seeing him act and do a character and. You know, it's 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 not like a winky thing. Like you know, he's not doing stock by your doctor. It's an actual performance, and it's just it's just nice to see. I like that he gets kind of a a quality ending as well. Like the 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 way that that character ends off at the end of it. I don't want to give too much away, but it's just it 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 treats it treats him as an actor and also as that character with a level of respect that I didn't necessarily think that this show was going to go with that in that direction. It seems like that Danny McBride. I don't know if. He had Eric Roberts in mind from the beginning. Um, it, sometimes th- these are people that that have a lot of respect for these performances from the past, and then they get this actor in front of them, and they're like, "Oh, he's not like he was before." He obviously saw something in what he could still bring to the table, and I'm glad he did. I, you know, it's a, sort of similar to um, you know, it's a very small appearance in Inherent Vice, but when Eric Roberts shows up in that as well, and he's so good and just is such a small part, um, that Eric Roberts can still carry this sort of stuff, and then he's he's he's. Sometimes I think more than most people, Liam and I need a reminder that, hey, there's a reason that we got into this in the first place. It's not just because Eric Roberts is in 70 movies every single year. A really great performance and a real pleasure to be able to sit down and watch a whole season of something that really was very satisfying. I should say two seasons. And luckily enough, uh, as of January 22nd, uh, sorry, January 2022, it was announced that the uh, season three of Righteous Gemstones is coming. I believe that won't be arriving until 20. 24 so we have a while to oh, wait yet but uh yeah hopefully uh more righteous gemstones in the future and i'm very much looking forward to that any final words gentlemen about the righteous gemstones uh would you uh, uh recommend this to others michael uh i absolutely would i i want to actually throw someone else out uh gregory allen williams uh, is on that show and he plays uh i want to say like the deacon of the church yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the kind of the right hand man to uh, to John Goodman's character. And honestly, it's great to see this guy in an actual television show because the, I remember him playing David Hasselhoff's buddy on Baywatch. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> so it's it is very it's nice to see him in a show, and he and he, and he's good on that too. So you know, um, yeah, I, I'd absolutely recommend. I, I think I've recommended this to people. You know that that have HBO now or go or whatever it is, but yeah, it's, it's a great show. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that, unfortunately that uh, actor also was in uh, God's not dead, a light in darkness playing a reverend in that. What do you think about that? When I tell you that, what was he really? The- he was God's not dead, a light in darkness uh, that starred nobody. Oh, Ted McGinley is in that one as well as is Tatum O'Neill. Oh, well, 
it, look, it's you got to work. You got to work. <laughs> you got. You know, hey, you know what? We more than most people can agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to work. <laughs> you gotta, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just here to destroy any illusions. Liam, any final thoughts on the righteous gemstones? It's really good. Um, I think uh, it, it's easy to write it. For, I, I think people write it off because maybe they're a little tired of the Danny McBride team, so to speak. Sure. But I think this show's great. And while I still think I prefer Vice Principals in certain ways, I think this show is really good. And it's probably just going to get better because I think they, in this season, got a better hold on the characters so they can continue to do things with them that will still be funny, but will move the characters forward a little bit. I think for people who haven't seen The Righteous Gemstones but might be aware of those other series, uh, it's much more of an ensemble a series then like Danny McBride is not front and center all the time I wouldn't even necessarily call him the main character those siblings basically all have equal amounts of screen time and there's a lot of John Goodman's character as well and there's you know a lot of those supporting performers that we talked about they get a lot of time so I mean it's a it's a show that even if you're not a big fan of that other those other works from Danny McBride that you still might be able to enjoy particularly if you're on the wavelength of the kind of comedy the very coarse and violent and <laughs> explicit comedy and there's a lot of dicks too we didn't really talk about that but there's a lot of male penises on display uh which uh not not a usual thing for comedy but uh, uh certainly very amusing <laughs> in how they're used on this particular show uh but that's it that's it for the righteous gemstones uh very much recommended you can check it out on hbo max i imagine i'm in canada so we don't have it there but you, i'm sure you can track it down this is 2022 you can find a way to find it um but for now we're done with it. We need to talk about plugs. We need to talk about Michael. Michael, I w- this is your third time being on the Eric Roberts podcast. Eric yeah. Roberts is a fucking man. Always a delight. I'd have you here every week if I could. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm not going to go on about it because I do have a tendency to. Huge fan of your writing. Uh, basically, I've been uh, uh, reading your work in Shock Cinema for as long as I can remember. Uh, I know that you're not doing as much writing right now, but where can people find your work at the moment? Well, I, uh, I right now, uh, well, actually, oddly enough, uh, by the time this airs, and I mean, it's actually out right now, but Shock mm-hmm. Cinema number 61 should be in stores by the time this uh, episode airs. Um, Cinema Store, unfortunately, uh, shuttered its doors last year, but uh, yeah. Fab Press will be releasing a collection of the final three issues uh, sometime this year. Um, I'm told by Robin Bougie that it may be out mid 2022. So maybe July. Sure. Um, and my, what if column appears in those. Um, and you know, actually I, I'd like to take this time to, uh, announce, uh, that I have a a personal project that it's, I'm hoping to get out, um, on an Etsy shop sometime this, this fall. Uh, but it's called Adam film comment. Uh, and it's an al- alternate reality zine. Uh, we do like an oral history of uh, Frank Sinatra's final film, Die Hard. Um, there's uh, um, uh, a sort of uh, an, uh, um, an essay about uh, Francis Ford Coppola's uh, spooky verse uh, that you wrote, Doug. Uh, I did. <laughs> that's uh, about all the films like uh, Mary Shelley's uh, Frankenstein and uh, the Clint Eastwood uh, creature movie. Uh, it, it's a piece on that. A lot of alternate reality stuff uh, that Doug Tilly uh, wrote with, uh, uh, collaborated with me on. Um, I'm very excited about um, a lot of good people in that. Sam Henderson, Luke Maxwell, 
um, uh, Emmett Billman. Uh, let me get some of these other names. Uh, Joseph Bergen III and Andrew Buck. Uh, some of those people did art. Some of them did art and articles. Uh, but again, I'm very excited about this, and I'm very, very happy that Doug could be a part of it. Um, and I'm hoping that maybe some of your uh, listeners might be interested in picking it up. Uh, also, I'm not a great podcast guest. I try my best. I really do. Uh, I don't really have a big, broad, fun personality. I'm tired right now. So please, please do not hold that against me. Um, if, you, if you can stomach my shock cinema reviews and my cinema sewer stuff, you may be able to tolerate uh, Adam film comment. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, Michael is, of course, selling himself short, one of the funniest writers on the planet and a person that I have infinite respect for. And when you asked me to be part of this project, I could not have been more intimidated and overjoyed. And I'm just glad to be a part of it in some small way. This idea of this alternate universe where these... Uh, you know that that the the film history took a completely different turn, and writing from the perspective of that uh, that alternate world, it was a lot of fun, and I think people are going to have a lot of fun reading about it. Liam O'Donnell, yes, you've been doing some writing yourself recently on Cinephones. Why don't you tell us about that? Oh, I started a column called Out of the Box. Uh, basically, I I don't have as a person with ADHD the patience to watch an entire box set and review the whole box set and uh uh i just knew that if i started jumping from box to box and uh, you know kind of focusing on highlighting the films that way it'd be easier for me to get the something out regularly so uh, i already did a feature on king boxer i have one coming out on woodlands dark and days bewitched mm -hmm. uh, and then after that i'm gonna jump into the uh, years of lead box set but i haven't picked which movie yet hopefully it'll coincide with uh one of our episodes of wild in the streets yep coming um, soon. yeah so uh yeah i've been able to do that hopefully uh, i'm trying to get back in the the rhythm of writing regularly and i'm hoping that will uh encourage other folks to write for the site because in the past we've had a lot of great writing and we need to get some of that back on on the on the website yeah, absolutely. You can find that over at Cinepunks.com. And of course, Cinepunks also has a ton of great podcasts, including all the latest episodes of Cinema Smorgasbord. Check that out. Check out and subscribe to those various podcasts. And uh, check out uh, Cinepunks on social media, on Twitter and Facebook under Cinepunks. You can, of course, find Liam on Twitter as well, at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z. I'm on there as well, at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And if you want to check out the entire archive of Cinema Smorgasbord episodes, go over to Cinemasmorgasbord.com. We have podcasts devoted to such diverse topics as the career of Jackie Chan, Carol Kane, Dick Miller, and more, uh, including upcoming episodes of, um, at this point, there have been recently uh, released an episode of, of You Don't Know Dick about the career of Dick Miller, but we have uh, Joe Dawowski, our uh, podcast devoted to the career of Alejandro Jodorowsky, and of course, our recently launched George Kennedy podcast, George Kennedy is my co-pilot, and of course, our Paul Bartel podcast, Bartel Me Something Good. There's just so much. That's probably all the new podcasts for 2022, but there's tons and tons of content over at cinemasmorgasport.com. Why don't you tell a friend? Why don't you leave a review at your podcast provider of choice? But for now, I'm tired. Everyone's tired. Everyone needs to get to bed. We're going to close up the old Eric Roberts bag. We're going to be back very soon with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everyone. Night, night. Beware of the tall, dark stranger. If he comes riding into your town. A tall, dark stranger.
danger, danger. So don't let no stranger hang around. For he can capture the heart of a woman with one glance from his flashing brow. 